Everybody who needed notes got notes? Yeah? All right. I didn't get any art from kids this week, so the art that you see up there is out of a, uh, a comic book, a uh, comic Bible uh, that I have. So just so you know. That's all right. It happens. Everybody has busy weeks, right? So. Oh, it's from the Kingston Comic Bible. I knew that name would come. Well, then I still want it because I will still use it. Okay? Because there's actually several times where we have Yahweh holding counsel in Scripture. Okay? And some of what you've drawn will contribute to that. Okay? All right, so we are talking about Yahweh holds counsel. Let us worship him who sits on the throne. And we're in Revelation chapter 4. So turn to Revelation chapter 4 and let us begin. Revelation 4, we must come and worship him who sits on the throne. If you don't walk away with anything else, that's what I want you to walk away with today is that you are called to worship God. Worship God in everything that you do. Everything you do should be to the worship and the glory and honor of God, okay? And it's amazing how you can begin to change your own perspective and your own situation when you take your eyes off the situation and then you turn them on to God who sits on the throne. That is not an idle sitting. It is an active ruling and reigning sitting that he is doing. He's holding courts. Let's just do a little reminder. Jesus' outline for Revelation is to, for John to write what was seen, which is Jesus glorified, to write what is the seven churches of Revelations chapters 2 and 3, and we just wrap those up. And then to write what will be Jesus' judgments in the seven seals, trumpets, and bowls. And that's Revelation chapter 4 through 22. Now, Revelation 119, I'm going to read it for you because we're going to be talking about it because he's very intentional in referencing this verse back with verse 1 of Revelation 1. He says, write therefore the things that you have seen, those that are and those that are to take place after this, right? Revelation 4.1 says, After this I looked, and behold, a door standing in open, open in heaven, and the first voice which I heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. Now, some commentators think, uh, that come up here is in reference to the rapture, and John represents the church. I don't think there's any textual credence to that. I think they just want to put the rapture there, okay? And so they are getting creative with the text. The text does not indicate that, okay? But John is brought up into heaven to view these visions. Now, I do think John is intentionally making a point that there is a transition here between chapters 2 and 3 and the starting of 4. I will show you what must take place after this. This phrase, take uh, after this, 
occurs 10 times in Revelation. Each time it shows the progression of the visions, and it often shows uh, chronology or order after this, right? If it was after, that means something was before, right? And what was before? We just talked about it. We just went, spent several weeks talking about what was before. The seven churches, yeah. They were before. This is coming after. So, well, if we were to look and think in our own minds in like a timeline, wh what time period would we be? He was, he was told to write what was, then write what is, and then write what will be. So where are we? We are in the time of what is, and we will, be, and then we'll be moving. So when the church, a time of the church, the church is still in existence, right? And we will be moving into a time of what after this, after the church. Okay, that's that what's in for there, or after the, the tribulation of the churches, okay? After the testing of the churches, okay? John is drawing special attention to Revelation 1.19 in two ways. First, he quotes the end of the verse 19, take place after this. He intentionally quotes that in verse 1 of Revelation, of, of four, verse four, chapter 4, verse 1. Second, he sets off Revelation 4.1 by starting it with after this and then ending it with after this. You notice that? He says, after this, da-da-da-da-da-da, and then I will tell you what must take place after this. So he's like, hello, pay attention. Take place after this. This is a big transition. This is a moving. Now, chapter 4 is part of uh, an opening scene for the setting up, God holding counsel and judgment to judge the world. And it includes 4 and 5. I do not have time to do 4 and 5 as a group, so I'm going to do 4 and then I'll do 5 next week. But 4 and 5 are a group of God's counsel. He's holding counsel to judge the world for its deeds. And they want to know, as you see in chapter 5, who is worthy to what? Open the seal, right? Who is open to, worthy to open the seal? And, and right now, chapter 4 is about God is worthy to rule, okay? This is him seated on the throne, the Father, Yahweh. So when does 4 then take place? I mean, obviously, he had this vision in heaven taking place, right? So this vision in heaven took place back in AD. 90-ish, right? But this needing somebody to open the seal and come and start breaking the seals of chapter 5, that's going to take place in the future. Now, you know, uh, we talked about lenses. I'm a futurist, so I think it's going to take place in the future. If you're a preterist, you're going to think that it took place uh, back in uh, 70, uh, right? Maybe a little before. Uh, if you're an idealist, you're going to say God always has ruled and he sits on his kingdom. And at some point, in some way, he will inaugurate and bring in the new heaven and new earth. But this is not speaking of specific events, okay? God rules. That would be their main point. And actually, for me today, part of my point is to get by to you is that God reigns. 
God rules. He sits on the throne. And we need to worship, <coughs> excuse me, we need to worship him, okay? Verse 2, at once I was in the spirit, and behold, a throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne, right? Behold, a throne stood in heaven and one seated on the throne, a throne in heaven. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom rules over all the earth. Whose throne is in the heavens? What does it mean when it's all caps? It means it's Yahweh. It's his personal name. Lord is a generic, right? My Lord, my lady, right? If we're English, <laughs> right? Uh, would be the equivalent of yes, so, no, so, today. But to show respect or deverence, they decided to do, instead of transliterating God's personal name as Yahweh, they did all caps, okay? But it's Yahweh. Yahweh has established his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom rules over the whole earth. Thus says the Lord in Isaiah 66, 1 and 2, Thus saith Yahweh, heaven is my Throne, and the earth is my footstool. What is the house that you would build for me? And what is my place? What is the place of my rest? All these things my hand has made. So all these things came to me, declares Yahweh. But this is the, to, is the one to whom I will look. He is the humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. So Yahweh, the Father, is seated on the throne in heaven, right? That's, that's the center of this whole scene, right? We've got 24 elders around the throne. We've got these seven lamps or seven torches around the throne. We've got these uh, John looking at all of this, you know. we got everything circling. We've got a rainbow around the throne. ask ourselves, and I ask myself, do we recognize who is on the throne and respond in worship? Today, last week, tomorrow, do you recognize who's on the throne? When you begin to want to complain and I know, you look around. I mean, I look at the devastation right now in Maui. And I heard up to 86 have died from that, that wildfire. That's horrific. And sometimes I go, wow, if you're on the throne, uh, I don't know what you're doing. Right? But do I have a place to say that? What does he like? A humble and contrite heart, Right? Was that humble? No, you might want to step back, you know. What about, let's bring it, Maui is thousands of miles away. What about like into my life, into my house? 
Maybe you're feeling, struggling with an illness. Did you know he's on the throne? Maybe you're struggling with personal relationship and interpersonal conflict. Do you know he's on the throne? Do you know that he from his throne is molding you and shaping you and using everything together for his glory and for your good? Do you know that? Because sometimes I think we forget that. Does that make sense? Because his throne seems so far away. And when we recognize that he is on the throne, we should respond in worship. Lord, you're in control. Lord, you're walking in this. I trust you in this. I praise you for your goodness. I thank you that you are walking something that I wouldn't even believe if you told me. You are an awesome, glorious God, the creator of all things. You are worthy to receive power, glory, and honor. You see? Verse 3 says, And he who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian. And around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of emerald. Yahweh with the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian. There's another phenophany that talks, or a phenophany is an appearance of God. And this is in Ezekiel 1, 26. If you ever had the chance, I'd encourage you to read that uh, from 4 to 28 of Ezekiel 1. Um, not today and not right now because I want you to listen to me uh, talk about this. But let's start in verse 26. It says, and above the expanse over the heads there was like a the likeness of a throne in the appearance like sapphire and seated above the likeness of the throne was one likeness with a human appearance. And upward from what had the appearance of his waist, I saw as it were gleaming metal, like the appearance of fire enclosed all around. And downward from what I had the appearance of his waist, I saw as it were the appearance of fire <coughs> and brightness. I thought I read that already. And brightness all around. So this appearance, the appearance of Jasper. Well, Revelation actually gives us the answer, what John means by the appearance of Jasper. Because he talks about it and describes it in Revelation 21.10. He says, and he, John, carried, no, and the angel carried John away into the spirit to a great high mountain. And showed him the holy city Jerusalem coming down from heaven from God having the glory of God, its radiance like the most rare jewel, like jasper, clear as crystal. John here defines the appearance of jasper uh, clear as crystal. So by this description, it's much like a diamond, right? The appearance of carnelian is a reddish precious stone. Okay, so the combination of crystal and carnelian has this appearance of fire, and right? And then if we look back at the Ezekiel passage, the appearance of a man, that's gleaming, burnish, burning metal, right, on fire. Individual meanings are not meant to be assigned to each of these stones. Like, I mean, some people might say, oh, well, judgment or purity, um, but that's not the author's intent, uh, and 
or in the New Testament context or in the Old Testament context. Collectively, they are to represent God's sovereign majesty and glory. Since they appear in the Old Testament, theophany seemed which divine glory is manifested and because they are directly linked to God's glory in Revelation. Okay? So this is God's glory. And he is worthy to receive all glory, right? And all honor. The rainbow around the throne. Like the appearance of the bow that is in the cloud of the rain, day of rain, so was the appearance of the brightness in Ezekiel 128. All around, such as the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And when I saw it, I fell on my face, and I heard the voice of one speaking. Genesis 9, 12 through 13 would be the first occurrence of the boat. And God said, this is the sign of the covenant that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. I have set my bow in the clouds, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. So not only is the bow a sign of God keeping his promises, it is also a sign of God's glory. And him being a covenant-keeping God is a display of his glory. He is on the throne, and he is fulfilling his promises. Let us worship him. Worship him in spirit. Worship him in truth. Giving him glory and honor and power for he is worthy. He's worthy in that job that you're in to receive that glory and honor. He's worthy in that relationship that you're struggling with. He's worthy in the midst of your emotions. He's worthy in the midst of your physical ailment. He is worthy to receive worship. Verse 4. Around the throne there were 24 thrones, and seated on the thrones there were 24 elders, clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their heads. 24 thrones, 24 elders, seated on thrones, clothed in white garments with crowns on their heads. Wow. And they're around the throne, 24 of them. The elders, who are these guys? Well, they have variously been identified as one stars from astrological background, two angels, Three Old Testament saints, four angelic heavenly, heavenly representatives of the saints, five patriarchs and apostles representing the Old Testament and New Testament saints together, and six representing representative representatives of the prophetic revelation of the 24 books of the Old Testament. And as you will see, I, I favor number five. I think the text, more than me, uh, favors number five. Let's look at this. The elders are what? Seated or seating, sitting on thrones. Who is promised to share thrones? We just went over this, right? Well, Revelation 3.21 says, The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne, as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. 
second thing is the elders all clothed in white garments. Who is promised white garments? We are, the churches, right? Yet you still have a few names in Sardis, people who have not soiled their garments, and they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. Or Revelation 3.18, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen in the salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. White garments. So now these guys, they have thrones that they're sitting on. They have white garments that they've put on, right? And now to top it all off, they're wearing crowns. They're wearing crowns. And who's promised crowns? The church's promised crowns, right? Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. Right? Do not fear what you're about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested. And for ten days you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. I'm coming soon. Hold fast to what you have so that no one may seize your crown. So why the number 24? Why is the number 24 picked? Why? Because I think that God is looking at his Old Testament saints, his New Testament saints, and, and, and using a number that would represent both. How many tribes of Israel are there? There's 12 tribes, right? How many apostles? 12 apostles, right? 12 plus 12. I can do this. 24. That's the only math problem I'm going to do tonight. But I can pull that off. So who are these 24 elders? They are the Old Testament and New Testament saints together sharing the rule with Jesus and with the Father. That's who they are. They're seated on the throne. They're partaking in what God has done. They're sharing in the rewards that God has given. They're worshiping him. Because we also will share with them as well. Because you guys are more than conquerors through him who loves you, through Jesus. And these are promises that God has made. And God's promises are yes and amen, right? So let us worship him who sits on the throne. From the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder. Before the throne were seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. The significance of thunder and lightning. Thunder and lightning speaks of power. On the morning of the third day, there were thunders and lightnings and the thick cloud on the mountain and, ev and a very loud trumpet blast so that all the people in the camp Shouted for joy. No, they trembled. They were afraid because it's a display of great power. Psalm 77, 16. When the waters saw you, O God, when the waters saw you, they were afraid. Indeed, the deep trembled. The clouds poured out 
water, the skies gave forth thunder, your arrows flashed on every side. The crash of your thunder was in the whirlwind, your lightnings lighted up the world, the earth trembled and shook. Your way was through the sea, your path was through great waters, yet your footprints were unseen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and of Aaron. Great power, a display of power. Thunder and lightning declare God's great power where we worship him, for he is worthy of all worship. There's the seven lamps or the torches of fire before the throne of God are the seven spirits of God. They represent the fullness of the Holy Spirit. I don't have time to talk about that at length, but I did discuss it at length on um, June 7th. And uh, if you want to check that out, you can scan the QR code uh, to listen to that uh, podcast there. Revelation 4, 6. And before the throne there was, as it were, a sea of glass like crystal. And around the throne, on each side of the throne, are full living creatures. Full of eyes in front and behind. I bet you had fun trying to draw that. That's a lot of eyeballs. The first living creature was like a lion. The second living creature was like an ox. The third living creature with the face of a man. And the fourth living creature like an eagle in flight. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings are full of eyes and all around. He wants you to know that. You notice that? He said that twice in their description. He's repeated it again. They're full of eyes all around and within. And day and night, they never cease to say, Holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Holy, holy, holy. The full-living creatures, the lion creature, the ox creature, the man-faced creature, the flying eagle creature. What are these creatures around the throne? Don't have time to talk about it tonight. We will explore them on a Wednesday night study, so it'll be fun. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever. Now, we're going to break here because... This speaks to the purpose of these creatures. Their purpose is they give glory, they give honor, and they give thanks to the Father seated on the throne who lives forever and ever. For we follow suit in worship, giving God glory, giving God honor, and giving God thanks in our day-to-day lives, in the grind, in the stressful relationship, in the thing that's just not going right for you. Will you stop to give him glory? Will you stop to give him honor? Will you stop and give him thanks? This TV doesn't like the heat. And the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne saying, Worthy are you, Lord God, to receive glory and honor and power For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. The 24 elders. They were seated on thrones, and now they leave their thrones. 
They leave their thrones and bow down in worship. In so many ways, we have a throne in our own heart, and we like to sit in it and be gods or kings of our own kingdoms. And we have to ask ourselves this question, will I leave my throne? Well, I'll let him sit on my throne, but will I leave my throne and bow down and worship him? Will I cast my crown before the throne? Will I cast the, cast the power of rule, the, the right to rule before the throne? For the Father, creator, is worthy of all glory, honor, and power. Will we leave our thrones and bow down and worship? Casting our crowns, our rewards, our power, our right to rule at his feet. For he alone is worthy. He alone is worthy. He's worthy to rule. He's worthy of worship. Let us worship him seated on the throne. Father God, we worship you. We, we declare you as God. And we worship you in whatever situation we're in right now. And the situations are multitude. And we recognize you are seated on your throne. And that you are reaching down into the lives of each of us and walking in the midst of the problems that we're on. And so we say yes. We fall off our own throne. We, we cast our crown, our, our right to rule, or any rewards that we might have before your throne. And we say you are worthy to receive glory, honor, and power. For you created all things, and we are your creatures, and you are worthy of all praise. May we praise you in every moment of every day. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.